embarrass you, Laura. I, I, I always bring you up every service. I always make sure everyone pays attention to you. I hope I'm not embarrassing you and uh, you're angry with me going home in the car every time. I hate that guy. Man, every time. Leave me alone. Well, hey, I'm excited to share uh, our final week of our sermon series entitled The Cost of Not uh, with you guys. This is a little bit different format than we usually start out, but I want to start today reading uh, a Bible verse uh, to you that comes to us in John 13, 33. 13, 13, 33 through 38. I'm going to read this to you, and then I'll unpack it a little later here in this message. John 13, 33 through 38 says, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You'll look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, oh, will you really? Will you lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Let's bow our heads and pray and invite the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do. Lord God, Father, we thank you so much just to, to be able to gather together as a as a church family. Lord, I realize that apart from you, I can do nothing. I realize that every idle word that I speak here today is a complete waste of everyone's time. But Lord, if you'll speak through me, if you'll anoint this message here today, then hearts can change, lives can change, Lord God. You can reveal a truth to us that no other man could ever reveal. So Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would fill every inch of this sanctuary, that your Holy Spirit will fill every inch of me, so much so that people are seeing and hearing you up here and not myself. Father, we love you. I pray specifically for people that are going through a tough time here, uh, a tough season of life, that you're going to give them a special touch from you today. Father, we thank you for this time. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, I don't like Walmart. That's a very strange way, I realize, to start a uh, message, but, but I don't, I'm not a fan of Walmart. Now, if you work at Walmart, I'm not talking about your Walmart. Let me placate to you, not your Walmart. Your Walmart is awesome, so well put together, I mean, just top of the line, your Walmart, but not the Walmarts I go to. And I have a history of Walmarts because I'm talking about two different states here. I'm talking Arizona and California Walmarts that I've gone to. And every Walmart has been the same. And I don't like it. I don't like Walmart. I don't like the fact that no matter when I go to Walmart, it's always crowded. Like I go at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday and there's not a, a spot to park in. It's completely packed. And I'm like, who is shopping at 2 o'clock on a Tuesday? Don't you guys have jobs? What's happening? I do realize I am at Walmart as well, but I'm like, why is there so many people here? I go inside the store. There's always at least twice as many products probably than their store could actually hold. I'm, I'm walking down aisles like this the whole way just to get by. It's just jam-packed. But what I, what's frustrating me the most about Walmart, maybe you've seen this at some of the Walmarts you've gone to. There's a point, by the way, of what I'm saying here. This is not just a random rant about Walmart. I wouldn't waste your time like that. Here's what frustrates me right now. Walmart has started putting all of their products behind glass. Have you seen that? 
which would be completely fine if there was an employee standing next to the glass to open it when you want it. Okay, I'm not the only one. Amen. We have a five-month-old baby that we need to buy baby formula for. So, so it always happens without fail. I, I walk up to the baby formula section. Of course, everything's behind glass. And I stand there for a while hoping somehow someone is going to see me because there's not an employee in sight. I'm hoping maybe the camera's on me. Anything that will get attention, someone please open this. I'll stand there for five minutes. Of course, no one ever comes. And then the word, the, every time I have to walk to the furthest point of the store to find someone that actually works at Walmart. I have to go all the way to the clear other end, and I finally get there, and I ask the employee, I say, hey, excuse me, back um, like a couple miles back, there's a, there's a glass case there, and I just want to buy baby formula, and I just want to go home. Is there anyone that could open that for me? And then they always reply with, yeah, I'll see what I can do, and I walk away like, okay, good. But then I started thinking, what does that mean? I'll see what I can, are you going to call? Like, like that's so noncommittal. And I walk back just praying, oh, I hope she does something. I hope she calls someone. I stand there for another five, ten minutes sometimes. And then finally someone comes. And they come there and they say, hey, what do you want? And, and I always point to the baby formula that we want. We always get the same one. I say, oh, I just need uh, that bottle there, that baby formula. And they say, oh, this thing. And I'm like, no, those are diapers. That's not even the, the same product. I, no, this thing right here. Then they point to the wrong row again. You want this. And I'm like, no, I, I'm going to smudge your glass, but I'm going to put my finger on I want this right here. And they say, oh, you want that baby formula. And I'm like, exactly. Thank you. So, so finally, we're on the same page, and they unlock the case, and she starts to go in to get it. And, and I ask her, I say, hey, by the way, I'm not trying to be... Uh, a jerk or whatever the word would be, but I, I say, why do, you, why do you keep this behind glass? And as she's going in to get the product, she says, oh, because everyone steals uh, this stuff, and that's why we put it behind glass, which I think is a terrible business model that if you have one thief in your store, just treat everyone like a thief. That's a great way to build your business. So she goes in there, she goes, everyone's stealing these, these products, so we keep it behind glass. She then takes it out, hands it to me, and then starts to walk away. And I say, well, wait, wait a minute. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not trying to be rude, but what's stopping me from stealing it now? <laughs> like, I still am in the store. I haven't bought it yet. Like, this really is not the deterrent that you think it is. Like, just because it was behind glass and now you hand it to me and leave, like, I can still steal it. And let me tell you, please do not say that to the people at Walmart because now they're like, this guy is going to steal this. We better walk with him every single step. <laughs> he puts it in his shirt and 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 that happens every single time it, it, every walmart we've been to without fails like that except for burbank except for burbank we went to our burbank campus uh we attended service there and and after church we had a, of course by baby formula and we went to burbank and i'll tell you it might be the worst experience of my life we went inside it was nighttime i kid you not we went inside there was three knife fights taking place right in the beginning of the store I didn't know people fight with knives. I thought that was West Side Story. I thought it ended then. But people, there, there's three of them. Some of this might be a little exaggerated. Let me point out. I don't want God to strike me down here. But three knife fights are going on in front of the store. I'm like, this is crazy. And walk over to 
the glass case, of course, you get the baby formula. They're smart there. They, of course, don't have an employee, but they do have a button. And I pushed that button. I pushed that button, to be honest, 12 times. I kept hitting it like when you have to cross in a crosswalk, and you think if you just hit it enough, enough times, it'll go quicker, which it doesn't, but you think it does. So I just kept hitting it over and over again. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even think it was, it was hooked up. I don't think electricity was running to it because I was just hitting it like this. I stood there for 15 minutes. No one ever came. Finally, I see a guy pushing a dolly towards the back. It was an empty dolly, and, and he's going. I said, this is my chance. This is my, maybe my only shot at talking to someone who works here. So I went up from behind, and I said, hey, uh, excuse me, sir. And he took his dolly, and he slammed it on the ground. <laughs> I kid you not. He actually, this is not an exaggeration. He slammed it on the ground. Slams it down, he turns around, he's like, what do you want? Now this kid's probably 19 or 20 years old, and there's nothing worse than having like a 19, 20-year-old kid uh, disrespecting you when you're kind of an adult, but I was still keeping my cool. And I said, hey, I'm so sorry to bother you, I know you were pushing that, that, that empty uh, dolly in the back, and I'm sure that was super important, you gotta hurry, I know. Um, so here's the deal, I've been here for 15 minutes, I pushed that button, uh, a few times, but no one's coming. Could you, uh, could you help me? Could you call someone? Could you get someone to open that case? And what does he say? I'll see what I can do. And then he walks, and I'm like, get, just give me an answer, yes or no. Just t if it's no, I'm fine. Just tell me no, and I'll, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll just go to a different store. Just I'll see what I can do. So again, I stand there for 15 minutes or so, and, and finally the lady comes over, and she says, hey, uh, I'm so sorry. I was, I was breaking up those, those knife fights in the front, and uh, I'm like, well, sure. I, that makes sense. And she finally un un unlocks the, the glass. She goes, what do you want? I start pointing at the product, and and she goes, okay, you want this? And I'm like, no, that's the ice cream aisle. That's not even behind the glass. What are you, what are you doing? I, no, I want this. And we finally get on the same page. And she takes it out. And, and I put my hands out to receive this. And she grabs it back like I'm a thief stealing a purse. She's like, oh, no. And I say, well, what's wrong? What's going on? She goes, I can't give that to you. And I said, why? I'm just trying to buy it. Why not? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a customer. Your store, like this is how it's worked for hundreds of years. I'm just trying to buy it. And she says, we have this glass here, sir, because people steal this. And I said, yeah, I'm aware of that. She goes, well, what's stopping you from stealing it if I just hand it to you? And I'm like, oh, my God, could you please call your other stores and tell them that? That's my point. I'm with you. Amen, I get it. And then I say, well, what, but how do I buy this product from you? I, I just want to buy it. She goes, well, I'll put it at check stand six. And I said, okay. And, and, and again, maybe, I, maybe I'm being a jerk about this, but it, again, it hit me. I said, but hey, sorry, what if I don't want to go to check stand six? And I said, like, what if all of a sudden, since you're putting all the products at check stand six, there's like 20 people in line and there's no one at any of the others? What if I want to go to another? She goes, well, that's too bad. you got to go to check stand six. And then I was mad. And I said, could you just follow me around the store until I'm done? Just shop with me and then hand it to me at whatever check stand I go to. And, of course, she was said no and was very angry. And I had to stand in line at check stand six. So I don't like Walmart. I don't like Walmart. But I love Amazon. I love Amazon. In fact, please do uh, know that this is a cry for help. I'm addicted to Amazon. I buy way too much stuff on Amazon. 
You know you buy too much stuff because I have Prime where it gets sent to you like the next day. You know you buy way too much stuff on Amazon when boxes show up on your porch and you're like, oh my God, what is this? And you just bought it yesterday. You just got it. I, prom I can't tell you how many times me and my wife, I have no idea what this is. It's like Christmas every day. I have no idea what this is. I open it, I vaguely remember ordering it at one point. I'm like, oh, I guess I did order this. And, but here's, what, here's the thing about Amazon. It's so quick. Like you can go on and in one minute order what you want. If you have Amazon Prime, it doesn't matter how heavy. The, the thing could weigh as much as earth and they'll send it to, to you for free. Doesn't matter how heavy it is. And, and I started to think about it in context of the message here this week. The whole reason I'm, I'm sharing all this with you is I said, why do I dislike Walmart so much? And why do I love Amazon so much? And the reality is, is it comes down to time. It's time. I look at Walmart as a, as a waste of my time. And I look at Amazon as a time saver. And that's really what our society is today. In fact, we have become an Amazon society. We want everything right now. How quick can I get it with the minimal amount of effort needed? I want it right now. We've become what some say is a microwave society. In fact, if you want food today, you can call up DoorDash or Uber Eats to any restaurant. Any restaurant you can think of, you can call them up and order whatever you want from that restaurant, and a stranger who you've never met will now pick up your food, put it in their car, which may not be clean, and bring it to your house. Will they eat your food on the way? Yeah, probably. You don't know how many fries you got. You started with 30. Now you have 10. But you don't know that. You don't know. We trust these strangers to, to be clean and bring it to our house. But you can do it. And it's so easy to do it. In fact, you can go home uh, today right after church is done and binge watch shows now without even spending a second watching a commercial. You can watch several seasons of your favorite show. Go on Hulu or, or Netflix. You can do all of that. Why barbecue chicken on a grill when you just put it in a microwave and in three minutes it's done? Is that just me who does that? Man, now I feel like I overshared. I thought we were all, like, I thought we were all on the same, same page. Like we're going down like, yeah, yeah. And then we got to the microwave chicken. Okay, since none of you have had it, I, I see the looks on your face. How does microwave chicken taste? Um, it, I'll be honest with you. Uh, it doesn't taste very good. It doesn't smell good. It doesn't even look good. But it is warm, and it's done in three minutes. And I've grown up on microwave chicken. It says probably too much about me. But, but that's what we are. We want it now. We want it as quick as we can get it. And here's why I say all this, the whole point of the message here today you got to be careful with that because that's what our society is. And if you allow your mind to, to go down that path, you're going to start judging your relationship and you're standing with God in the same manner. I want it now. To put it a different way, you're going to start judging everything in your life based on seconds while God operates in seasons. God doesn't operate in seconds. We do as humans. God operates in seasons. In fact, his math is not like our math. His time is not like our time. The Bible says one day is like a thousand years to God. And a thousand years is like one day to God. 
And that's why every time I go to the gym for two days in a row, I'm like, man, in God's eyes, that's like 2,000 years in a row. He's like, man, this guy's super committed. But his timing's different. And you got to be careful not to judge what's happening in your life based on seconds and start realizing that God is working in seasons. I put it to you another way. As I said, next week's the Super Bowl. You could watch a football game right now and say a team wins 52 to 7. You would say, well, that team dominated that game. But if you isolate the seconds and not the entirety of the game, you might watch during that, that few seconds where that other team scored those seven points. And during the time you watched, it was 7-0 to zero with that other team. You might walk away with a whole different opinion about what took place in that game. You'd say, well, that other team dominated, when in reality, they didn't. They got creamed. It was the other team that won 52-7. to seven. God says, I want you to start looking at your life in seasons and not seconds. Seconds can lie to us. We all have seasons of our life. We all have seasons where things are going, going good, and you have seasons when, when things are going bad, but seasons always change. We have, in, for a very short period of time, but in San Diego, we have rainy seasons. And it rains. But you know at some point it's going to stop raining. Like we're going to go through a long period of time where you're not going to see a drop of rain. San Diego is one of the nicest places in the whole world to live. People travel all over the world just to vacation in the place that we live every single day. But if you isolate the seconds and you isolate it on a rainy day, you might say this place is a dump. This place is so ugly, it's always gloomy because we're judging it based on seconds. When God says, I don't want you to do that, I want you to judge it based on seasons. There's a reason for every season. Every season has a purpose. Every season is to develop you for the next season. It's to get you prepared. As I've said before, that God is a good God. He only knows how to give good gifts. So he'll never put you on a platform or put you into a position that your character can't uphold you. Because if he did that, it wouldn't be a good gift. So your season is to mold you, to prepare you, so that when that time comes to pass, your character is going to be strong enough to hold up to it. In fact, the reason it's so dangerous to judge your life based on the seconds and not the seasons is if you judge it based on the seconds, you might actually quit and give up before that dream comes to pass, before your purpose comes to pass, before that breakthrough comes to pass. Right before that, you might quit because you're judging your life in seconds and not seasons. See, there's a guy named Mordecai in the Bible. One season, he was outside of the palace. But in the very next season, he was inside of the palace. David had a season where he was just a shepherd boy and no one knew who he was. But another season later, he's a king. Even Ruth, one season Ruth was working in the field, the next season she owned that same field. I'm telling you, seasons change and it's time to start looking at our life as seasons and not seconds, because that's how God does that. That's how he judges us. That's how he looks at us. He says, I'm doing something here. Don't be discouraged just because you don't have it yet. Don't be discouraged just because that door's not open yet. He said, you got to look at it as a season and not a second. Just because you don't have it doesn't mean you're never going to have it. Just because that door's not open doesn't mean it's always going to be closed. You just got to look at your life as a season, as its entirety. That's what's happening in that Bible verse that I read earlier in John 13, through 38, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's telling them, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die and I'm gonna go to heaven and you can't come now. 
And when he says you can't come now, Peter, who loves Jesus, is like, why can't I come now? They're using the exact same word there, now, but they have two completely different meanings. If you research the Greek and the Hebrew, which we all do, I think we all do. Maybe, maybe we do that. Okay. If you research the Greek and the Hebrew, those, those two versions, they're the same word now, but they mean two different things. When Jesus is saying you can't come now, he's not talking about two minutes from now you might be able to. He's saying in this period of time, you cannot come now. In other words, it would be like, let's say you go to a party tonight, and, and again, this is a hypothetical. We know this would never take place, but, but you and your spouse go to a party and you get into an argument. Again, just go with me. It's hypothetical. It would never happen. One of you has a cooler head and says, you know what? Let's not do this now. You're not talking about maybe 30 seconds from now. You're talking about in this moment of time, let's not do this now. That's Jesus's now. Peter's now is right this second. Why can't I come right now? And even goes further to say, man, why can't I come now? I'm fully capable of coming now, Jesus. In fact, I would die for you. And Jesus looks at Peter and he goes, oh, really? You, you would die for me? You would die for me, Peter? And it sounds like a huge insult, but he says, hey, before morning even comes, you're going to deny knowing me three times, let alone die for me. You're not even going to acknowledge knowing me on three different occasions before the morning even comes. And one of the times it's going to be to a young girl that you're going to be so afraid that you're going to say, I don't even know who that guy is. You die for me? Now, if you're Peter and you judge your life in seconds and not seasons, you might give up right there. Because Jesus just slapped you in the face like, not only are you not able to come with me, you're not going to die for me. You're going to deny me three times. But Jesus knew that eventually Peter was going to come. He was going to eventually go to heaven. He was going to follow after him. In fact, Peter eventually was going to die for Jesus, so much so that he said, I don't want to die like Jesus. He was nailed to a cross as well. He says, put it upside down because I am not worthy to die in the same, same manner as Jesus. Everything Peter was thinking he could do in that moment, he would do. He just wasn't capable in that period of time. It was a season. But another season later, he would be able to do it. I'm telling you, God tells us, Please, please stop looking at your life in seconds and start looking at it in seasons. He's doing something. He's trying to, trying to mold you. He's trying to form you. Because at some point, that season, even if it's a rainy season, oh, well, it changes. And the reality is this. When the flowers bloom, when everything actually starts to sprout up, you know why it did that? It's because it had a rainy season. When the sun's now shining, it wouldn't do any good if it didn't actually rain for a period of time. And I know that because I've never watered a plant in my life, and not all of them are dead at our house. But it rains, and now all of a sudden they're able to grow when the rain stops because it, it rained for a period of time. I'm telling you, seasons will change no matter how bad that season might be that you are in. Who knows? Maybe next week, maybe tomorrow, maybe next month, that season's going to change, and God is going to show himself faithful to you. It's going to show you why that happened. When we're going through it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's like walking through a forest and all we see is trees. But Jesus is there and he sees the entire forest and he's like, 
all right, I can't give you this now. I, I know you feel like you're capable now, but this would happen two years down the road, and I don't want that to happen, so I'm going to hold off on that for, for this period of time and for this season. But what do you do if you look at your life right now and you say, well, that's all fine and good, but every season of my life has been bad. Ryan, you don't know how I was born. You don't know the family that I was born into. You don't know the struggles that I've gone through in life. When is my good season? Well, I want to encourage you, and, and I'm going to close with this, and as Laura knows, that's her, you see, we already are on the same page, Laura. Every season of my life is a, is a rainy season, Ryan. If God's so good, then what's this all about? When's that good season going to come? Why God encourage me for it? See, and this is something we typically do during our salvation moment at the end of service. And I always quote this because I, I think it's so encouraging that Jesus says when he's here on earth, he said, hey, in this world, you're going to have trouble. In this world, you're going to have trouble. It's going to happen. You're going to have things that are going to come out of nowhere. You're going to have things that are going to be unfair. In this world, you're going to have trouble. He says, but take heart because I've overcome the world. He's saying, I know it might be a, a rainy season for you. It might be a, a very down season for you, but seasons will change. You say, well, I'm 75 years old. When is my season going to change, Ryan? Well, let me encourage you. I have a little illustration here. Uh, Eliza, can you come up here? And, and, and uh, Tim, can you come up here as, as well? Um, this is going to be the best part of the whole service right here. I'm so excited for this. Tim, I want you to hold this side. Tim is up here because we did an illustration a few weeks ago, and he did not fall off the stage. So we're going to see how this goes today. So pull it tight. Go as far as you need to. Off, you can go off the stage. Just pull it tight. Here's what's crazy. This rope probably weighs less than a pound. When you pull it tight, watch how heavy it is. And I'm going to go long because I want to see how long you guys can hold that. All right. Awesome. So this here is a timeline. No matter how bad the season of life that you're in, it is heavy, isn't it? It's certain, oh, stop lying. All right, it is heavy, right? A little bit. See, he's telling the truth. Every season of my life's been bad, Ryan. How's God a good God if, if I don't ever see that non-rainy season? Every season's a rainy season. What about me? See, as time goes on, things start to lose their significance. They lose their significance. I can prove it to you. When you were in uh, junior high or middle school, whatever you guys call it, uh, down here, you probably had a time where you liked a guy or you liked a girl and you told them and you found out that they didn't like you back. It probably happened, okay? And during that, that moment of time, I, you were devastated. In fact, you may have gone home in your room and cried. You may not have eaten dinner that night. Like, it, it genuinely, I'm not even making light of this, it was a very bad moment in your life. You were devastated. That person doesn't like you. But now as time has gone on, and you've had all these different experiences in life, and you're older now, how much do you think about that moment? How much does that moment really mean to you? I guarantee you it doesn't mean as much as it did that night. Why? Because as time goes on, things start to lose their significance. This here, this little thin red line represents your life, okay? Let's say everything on this side, on Tim's side, is everything that happened before you were born. This is Adam and Eve. This is dinosaurs. Everything that happened before you were born. What do you say? Dinosaurs. Did I say it wrong? Oh, okay. 
He looks like a dinosaur. Why do you think he's on that side? This was strategic. All right, so this is everything before you were born, right? This is your life, and now this is heaven. This is eternity in heaven. In fact, can I be honest with you? It's a terrible example. It's a terrible example because eternity has no end. So really, this isn't even a good example. I would have got a much bigger rope, but, but I'm, I'm poor. So this is what we have. It goes on forever. So I want to say, this is your entire life. Now, this is more than anyone ever lives, for the most part. But let's say you live 100 years here on earth. And this is your 100 years. And let's just say that every single second of those 100 years was bad. I mean bad, bad. I mean, you could make someone cry telling them the story of your life. Bad, bad. All 100 years. But somehow in the middle of all of that, you accepted Jesus as your Savior. And all of a sudden, you now pass away. And you walk into heaven, into eternity, into paradise, where every day is the best day of your life, in a perfection. At what point does this start to lose its significance? It's 100 years. So at 1,000 years in eternity in heaven, at 10,000 years, at 100,000 years, at a million years, at 100 million years, at a billion years, at 100 billion years, at a trillion years, at 100 trillion years, at what point does this become just a blip on the radar? This is everything we know right now, so it's hard to put this in a context, but at what point does this start to lose its significance? A hundred trillion years, I don't even know what comes after a trillion, so I'm going to stop there, but a gazillion is what we said growing up, but I think we were wrong. I don't think that's a real word, a zillion. But you understand what I'm saying? At what point, stick with me here, does this just become a second of life? God says, I want you to look at your life in seasons and not seconds. At what point is this so insignificant, so small, that this really becomes a second of our life? See, the whole point of life is to accept Jesus as our Savior. When you've done that, everything else is icing on the cake. There's going to come a time when all of our times here on earth are over and we're going to walk into heaven. We're going to walk into paradise where there's no mourning, there's no tears, there's no pain. Every day is the best day. But if we judge our life in seconds, we might feel like this is it and we might miss out on all of the rest that God has in store for us. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Cue clap for them. They did wonderful. Thank you. Great. I didn't think you were going to do that good. And you did wonderful. Thank you. At what point does our life become just that blip on the road? At what point is our life a second and not even a season because we've spent so much time in heaven and eternity? I'm telling you, God says I work in, in seasons and not seconds. And I'm doing something in your life. It may not make sense right now, but when that season does come to pass, and that season might be when you enter into heaven, it might be tomorrow. I promise you it'll start to make sense. You'll start to see why you couldn't have done it then. You'll start to see why I told Peter that day, hey, you're, you're going to deny me three times. I know you, you think you're capable of doing this, but you're really not capable of doing this right now, but you will be. So much of our lives we judge based on seconds. We judge whether God's for us or against us. And I got news for you. He's always for you. He's always for you. If he died on a cross for you, 
even when we were at our worst. Why do you think he'd be mad at you and abandon you now? Man, he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. It's a plan to bless you, not to harm you, a plan to give you a hope and a future. He says, I just need you to trust me in this season that there's a purpose for you. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes as we close down service here? It's so, so easy for us to get wrapped up in the second because this is all that we know. We don't have the context of living in heaven for a million years or a trillion years or whatever that is. So, so we don't have that context. We're talking about something that, that none of us really have experienced. But if you're someone and you're like me and you say, I get so wrapped up in the seconds. And if God works in seasons, we're not on the same page. It's like the people in Walmart that, that don't see what I'm pointing to. They're pointing to something else. We, we got to get on the same page. And if you're in here and you say, I just, I want God to do something in my heart. I want him to move in my heart in a way that I'm going to start seeing and trusting the seasons of my life. And stop looking at the seconds. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if, if that's you, I'm not going to make you come forward or stand up, nothing like that. I just want to know who I can pray for. You say, I just want God to do something in my heart that, that shows me that we're in seasons and not seconds of life. Would you just lift up your hand just so I can lift you up in prayer? And It's not an easy thing to do. It's like, I need to trust you in the seasons, God. I need to trust you that when it rains that the sun eventually will come out again. I got to trust you. Yeah, hands everywhere. Well, let me pray for you quickly. Lord Jesus, Father, you see all the hands that are raised in here today. Even more importantly, Lord, you, you know our hearts. In fact, you know every hair on our head. How much more do you know the situations and circumstances that my brothers and sisters are facing in here today? You know that the enemy is always trying to discourage us, Father. And maybe discouragement has set in so deep into us, it has its roots so deep. But Lord, today I, I pray that you would pull out those roots. That you would open up our eyes, Lord, to, to the seasons of life and that you are doing something with us. That you are for us, you're not against us. That you're never going to lead us down a path of destruction. That you're always trying to build us up to mold us. So that whenever your purpose does come to pass here on earth, we'll have the character to uphold to it. I pray for a spirit of encouragement right now to be upon our hearts. I pray, Lord God, for faith to kick in to levels that we've never seen before. Lord, we know that faith untested is just hypothetical. And I pray right now, Lord God, that for those of us that are going through faith moments, moments, Lord, where our bank account says zero and, and we gotta have faith that somehow things are gonna work out. I pray right now, Lord God, just to faith, for faith to well up inside of us stronger than ever before. Raise us to new levels, Lord, that we're trusting you no matter what the situation looks like. Because we know that you're good. We know that you're for us. And we know that you're doing something in our lives. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you keep your heads bowed and eyes closed just for, for one last second here. We, we never want to do a service here. We don't give an opportunity for those who have never accepted Jesus a chance to do so. If you're here today and you've never made that decision, this is your moment. This is your time. It's the most important decision you can ever make in your life. In fact, you've met people that have made this decision and you probably saw 
the way that they acted, the way that their heart was, and it didn't always relate to their circumstances because you've seen people that have hope even when nothing's hopeful around them or joy even when nothing's joyful around them. And they have peace even when there's nothing peaceful around them it's because they know, hey, at some point I'm going to walk into eternity, into paradise, into heaven. They got this decision right. If you mess up every other decision in your life, if you get this one, you're good. I don't do anything to embarrass you here. I don't make you stand up. I don't make you come forward. All those things are fine. Any church that does that is completely fine. I'm just telling you this because I want you to know this is a private moment between you and God. But if you've never made that decision, this is your moment. This is your time. Maybe you're in here today and you made that decision before. Your issue is not so much eternity. Your issue is right now. The storms of life have kicked up so strong taken all of your attention and as you sit here today you feel like God's a million miles away you know he's not you know he's ever present but that doesn't help because it feels like he's a million miles away you no longer feel his presence you no longer hear his voice when you're praying and you are you feel like you're just saying idle words when you're reading the Bible and you are you feel like you're just going through the motions and you say, I don't know how I ended up here, but I know I can't live here anymore and I need to recommit my life. This is your moment as well. Nothing to be ashamed of when you recommit your life. Sometimes you gotta do it every day of the week. God, I'm gonna put my eyes back on you. I'm gonna put you number one in my life. I'm gonna take my eyes off of that storm, off of that distraction. If that's you, this is your moment as well. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you say, I want to accept Jesus for the first time, or you say, I just simply want to recommit my life today, would you be bold enough just to slip your hand up quickly just so I can lift you up in prayer? Amen. Hands everywhere. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Amen. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? If God is stirring your heart right now, don't miss this moment. This is for you. Yeah. Beautiful. Amen. Well, church family, I'm going to ask if you can repeat this prayer after me to support all those that are making this life-changing decision today. And for all of you that raised your hand, know that no matter what you've done, that God loves you. He's not mad at you. In fact, he's madly in love with you. All he cares about is that you're coming home. So pray this with all your heart and know that salvation is coming to you as you pray. Everyone together, loud and proud, repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I believe that you died for me on the cross. I believe that you rose again from the dead. I believe that you're the son of God. Today, Jesus, I ask you into my heart. Take over my life and let me never be the same again. Today, I call myself a Christian. Thank you, Jesus for not giving up on me. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we put our hands together? Welcome.